Welcome to this edition of the Trees and Lines podcast. Today, I'm excited to introduce and speak with Sarah Sankiewicz. She has been leading the vegetation management program at Unitil, and in recent years, she's taken on more and more responsibilities. Our conversation today is going to delve into some of the things where she has demonstrated a passion that has really led the way for the industry in so many areas. She has a passion for environmental sustainability and uh, diversity and inclusion to build our industry and make it stronger. Please stay tuned and enjoy. Well, I'm so pleased to be able to welcome Sarah Sankiewicz. She agreed to be one of the first in our podcast series we're calling Trees and Lines, where we are are really liking to explore the thoughts of industry leaders. Uh, I've had the privilege of working with Sarah over the last seven to eight, nine years. I don't know how long it's been, Sarah. And uh, in that time, I've really come to appreciate Sarah for the leadership uh, that she gives this industry. I'm not sure you always get recognized for it, Sarah, uh, but you deserve it. Just so many areas you've worked hard. Uh, Your time on the board, I always acknowledge that you worked harder than I did, and I think I was being paid to do it, and you were a volunteer. (laughs) And I think I see the leadership in environmental sustainability, education, the new credentialing system, uh, diversity, and those are some areas I'd like to explore with you today. Maybe you could start us off by telling us a little bit about today. You know, what are you, uh, your roles, responsibilities at Unitel? Yeah, so at Unitel today, I'm the Director of Sustainability and Shared Services, and that encompasses uh, a number of things. One of them is our sustainability reporting and um, just looking at how we view our company work through the sustainability lens. Um, That also includes our forestry operations group, which is our traditional utility vegetation management, which is where I came from and, uh, you know, started that here at Unitil. And then I also have our fleet and facilities group, as that has like a large impact on our own uh, emissions and carbon footprint. So that's sort of my role uh, today at Unitil. Um, in the industry, um, UAA past president, like you had mentioned, and um, I'm still in a, a couple of different uh, committees, and I do uh, chair one of the committees, uh, which is our professional development certification program, and uh, I am also uh, the past president of the New England ISA chapter. Busy, busy, busy. <laughs> yeah. Interesting that you've uh, moved into sustainability, still keeping your hat on as a veg manager, uh, but moving into sustainability. You know, so often we hear about the utilities not bridging that gap between the veg management and the sustainability group. So any uh, insight how you did it and any uh, insight for your peers on how they might bring veg management to the attention of those? Absolutely. I mean, for me, I think it was, I was looking for a real way to capture the value of vegetation management work. We're often the largest uh, operation and maintenance expense in a company. And so being able to quantify the value other than just reliability and safety that a program brings. um, So from an environmental and sustainability standpoint, uh, you know, if you want to do some of those additional things, like pollinator effort, um, wildlife habitat, and those kinds of things, it's often seen as superfluous maybe to your your regular vegetation management work. But I really wanted to find a way to be able to show that there is value in that and there's value to the utility as well as the communities 
and, you know, population as a whole. And so that's what got me looking at um, sustainability metrics and uh, looking at how I can measure my progress towards um, sustainability within Unitil. So uh, that opened the door to say, well, do we do sustainability reporting as a whole? We as a company did all kinds of efforts towards sustainability, but did we report on them? Did we tell people our story? And the answer was at the time, no, we hadn't really told our story yet. So I started asking the question if we were going to be telling that story and it sort of came, well, we kind of need someone to help lead that effort. How do you feel about gathering up information and helping to put together our story? So that was our inaugural sustainability report. Um, and from then, we've had a couple of them and we're growing each year looking at goals. And, and part of that um, deals with how we impact the environment and our vegetation management work. We touch the industry in a lot of different ways. Um, you may be the first person that I've met that um, is in a leadership role in vegetation management, but also has uh, taken on that sustainability piece, um, which you know I applaud Unitil and their leadership for for having that foresight in yourself, of course, as well. But do you know of other peer utility peers that are are doing the same? Is this is this a trend that you think is going to accelerate and we're going to see over the next couple of years? Or are we still quite a ways away from the adoption of this across the industry? I think that there are many utilities right now doing the same thing. And I think that there's a good opportunity for other veg managers out there to uh, talk to that department and really link up and find out what information might be valuable from a vegetation management standpoint um, to disclose or to tell the story. Uh, When you look at sustainability um, disclosure, investors are often looking at climate change factors and, um, you know, things like that. But there there are a number of growing um, areas such as biodiversity that, you know, are are up and coming. Um, And so I think we're not alone uh, as our utility focusing on some of these things and figuring out, you know, how to tell our story when utility does a good job of, of not only disclosing metrics, but putting context around it. It really helps to uh, do more with the data. It's not just normalized. It's really understood. So if there's risk or opportunities at that utility level, um, we can tell our story and say, yeah, we might not be here at this metrics. It's because of X and Y, but we have a plan. We have a good management plan that, you know, limits our risk and really, you know, accentuates our opportunities. Yeah. yeah it's funny. You're, you're a hockey player. So you know, the analogy that, and I, and I love sports as well, and I can't really call myself anything of any sport, but the thing that kind of came to mind from a sports perspective is this is, um, you know, it's like bed strategies typically have been very defensive, and this is really kind of turning defense into offense. Um, but in doing so, um, I'm wondering the complexity of the, the risk profile. So as vegetation management strategies now factor in like, hey, we're going to preserve this, we're going to cut that, you know, you now have, I guess, additional management, more resources required, a higher level of scrutiny that's needed uh, to make sure that your offense doesn't turn into now greater risk, right? And and I think that that's why I find it very interesting from a utility perspective that you know you guys are kind of making that leap because it is a more complicated jump, but it's it's great that it's being prioritized. So when you start going down that road. You have to continue to put resources towards it and you have to continue to manage your progress and, you know, and record what you're doing. So 
you have to have to have a real company commitment to do it, um, which which is good. And I think a lot of companies have have done that already on their veg programs. Uh, this is a way to capture uh, all of the benefits that companies have have done when they say yes, we we want to go all in on on a really uh, you know robust vegetation management program, and we also want to think about the habitat, the biodiversity, the communities that we serve in, and what's left behind you know, what we want left behind rather than uh, the risks that we're trying to manage. So from a veg manager's perspective, are they uh, looking at much greater costs out of their program to uh, take a sustainable approach? That's a good question. I I don't know if it's much larger costs. It's, it's probably a little bit more uh, when you talk about recording and monitoring, there are definitely some costs associated with that. Uh, but I think the return is greater. So if you're looking at the net, I think it comes out, you know, to be about about even. But, um, you know, there might be some upfront co- costs when you start a program. Uh, but in the long run, you know, cost decrease, like if you're looking at, you know, traditional IVM, when you come through the, f- the first time, it might be more costly. But once you've treated um, you know, you're right away and you have a prescription, it's easier to come back and maintain it as long as you stay on a cycle. So I, I feel like it's it's similar to that, that figuring out what you want to report, figuring out your metrics, getting a system to manage those and figuring out what you want to record takes a lot of time. Once you have it in place, it becomes easier and less of, you know, an upfront cost and you get a lot of benefit from it afterwards. Here's a question around education. There's always a debate around having qualified, you know, uh, vegetation specialists, et cetera, right? And resourcing tends to be a challenge in this industry, having enough qualified people. There's obviously large footprints. There's a lot of work to be done. There's no shortage of that. Uh, as you layer in the sustainability side of it, you're only increasing the, the complexity and the hurdle for some of these folks to, you know, have the right expertise. And I'm imagining that there's only going to be a shortage of that. So like, how do you think you're going to close that gap to solve for, hey, there's this much to do and we only have this many people that can do it? Yeah, I think that there's there's two avenues there. So there's the workforce out doing the work in a traditional way. And then there's workforce that we're looking to tap into and take advantage of. So if we stay the course that we are now looking at a traditional you know, workforce of people who got interested in forestry and, um, you know, logging or timber cutting, um, and we don't really expand beyond that, then I do think we have a really big gap to manage because there's only more work that's coming. But I think if we can pivot and realize um, that there is a large workforce out there that may want to do this work, but they don't know that it exists or they don't know how it applies to things that they value. So, for example, um, you know, this next generation coming up, if they're valuing being able to uh, act on on climate change and doing things that help um, sustainability and make a difference in the world and be a force for good, they don't understand how a utility or utility vegetation management can impact that. And so if we can do a better job of tapping into that passion for making a difference and understanding how this can really help, I think that opens up our workforce. And then we close that gap of of needed workers. We still obviously have to be able to teach them the skills of of managing vegetation, um, you know, at the the field level, then how to become a leader in managing 
teams, crew members, how to manage vegetation management programs. There's a whole hierarchy of learning that comes from there. Um, and I think that being able to set out a career path and training at each one of those levels really means that we can take someone who has a passion and give them the tools and skills to be able to excel in our industry and not only excel at the level that they are, but be ready to take on the next level. So that's the, some of the programs that the UAA has, has gotten involved in, some field level worker training, uh, some professional development for workers in the industry so that you don't necessarily have to go to school and get a, a resource management degree in order to gain those skills to be a, a really good uh, contributor to the industry. You're still working with the uh, Utility Veg Management Professional Development Program. Uh, so where do you see that fitting in the future? Is that going to grow and be an important credential to have? I really hope that it is a, an important credential. To me, I see it equal to or even more important than just a traditional higher education degree. It takes you know skills that you may have learned in the field and translates it into applying it to a system and you learn strategic thinking, you learn leadership and all of the qualities that are necessary to be operating at a business level. Um, so those are things that I didn't learn when I was in college. You may learn pieces of them, how, you know, some management type things, some um, productivity, which you can still get from some of these courses, but I didn't learn how to apply that, you know, to my job. So, you know, had this been around when, when I was starting, it would definitely have been something that I would have like to have taken. So I see it being a big piece of how we transfer knowledge in our industry and how we prepare the next generation of leaders. Uh, congratulations. I understand your first graduating class since it moved to the uh, University of Wisconsin at Stevens Point. I don't know if they've graduated yet, but they're very close. They're just graduating now and uh, some fantastic folks coming down to that group. I heard all of their projects were, were very good. One of the things I really found interesting about your background was, you know, the amount of time you spent at a larger utility and then, you know, shifting to a smaller footprint. Um, you know, we talked about impact and your ability to kind of touch a lot of different things. Like maybe you can talk a little bit about, you know, that transition, um, you know, almost like Unitel punching way above its weight in terms of kind of being thought leaders, et cetera. And what were some of the challenges in that transition for you from a career perspective and what have been some of the, the, the pluses? Unicell has been very, very supportive um, of my engagement in, in a lot of these professional development programs, um, you know, and, and committees and things, because they knew that uh, not only is it, is it good for them to have exposure, but it's really good for me as an employee to develop. So when you serve on different committees, you learn how to work with, with different people. You learn a lot of skills. You learn strategic thinking. Um, you know, there's just so many benefits that come out of it. So for me, it was very fulfilling to be able to make a different, make a change, make a difference in in areas that I was very passionate about, but also learn a lot of skills along the way. I mean, we went through some strategic planning exercises, um, you know, taking a look at our different committees and, and structures. Uh, you know, learning how to engage other people to get things done. We looked at, you know, our culture and things like that. So I take all of that back every single day in Unitil. And I think part of my ability to expand outside of vegetation management uh, and become, you know, leading in sustainability is is because of my uh, opportunities that I was given through um, all of these outside, you know, committees and things, because 
I learned a lot of really valuable skills that I can bring back to my company. So I hope to continue to be able to to give back to Unitil, um, you know, as we think about our next venture in, in being a utility that's being a force for good in our communities. I, th- I think about all the roles you have there at Unitil, and I think about uh, all the volunteer time you put in. Uh, you're still a wife and mom, if I recall. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what an attitude and what a, something to share with others that uh, giving back has great value. You know where that came from? I was like 15, 20 years ago, I was at a UAA conference and just absorbing everything and really learning from all the leaders that were there, thinking how great it is to have these conferences and, and things. Mike Neal stood up and he said, um, you know, if you learned something today, if you valued this experience, I challenge you to give back to the industry. Um, the only reason this is here today is because people take time and effort to give back and to learn. So I challenge you to join a committee and I challenge you to write an article. Um, so I did. I joined a committee that day. That was my the research committee was my very first committee I joined. And, you know, it took me a while to figure out how to run a, run in a committee and, and how to give back and all of that. But eventually um, learned lots of great skills uh, and ended up, you know, being on the executive committee and, and being the president. So I didn't ever stop giving back. I, I continued to do that and I felt it very rewarding. And I was just thinking of me starting out, learning from all these people. I want to be one, one of those people giving back to everyone else. It's interesting that... Uh... You know, I think about all your volunteer time, what you put into it, really a nice commercial that you got a lot out of it from, you know, a leadership perspective. And <laughs> we, we ought to give that to the UAA and let them promote. Yeah. What you put in is what you give back to. I mean, it takes a lot of time to, to sit aside and, and do all the committee work. Um, but I certainly got a lot out. Yeah. So, so what's like a, you know, what do you hope to accomplish? Like, is there a key goal that you're like, hey, look, when I obviously taking time away from family and, and, you know, you're obviously making a lot of time, which that's a whole different podcast on your, your ability to manage time. I think that's fantastic. Um, I'm always curious about how people do that so effectively. Uh, Cause I'm, I've got a couple of kids. I have a busy schedule as this Phil, and it's uh, it's always a, you know, it's always a Tetris game of, with time. Um, but, you know, you, you've taken on these leadership roles um, with meaningful industry groups, like, is there, is there a particular objective or goal that you hope that, you know, 10 years from now, you're like, you know, I helped champion X. What is X? I think it would be going back to, to the workforce, really, and really helping to open that up to people who want to make a difference. And, you know, when I went to school, I didn't know much about utility work in general. I just liked being outside. Um, I liked doing uh, environmental related things. and forestry caught my attention, but I decided I didn't want to be working by myself and I wanted to be in a community where I could put down roots. I didn't want to be moving all around. And so that's how utility popped up. It was like, hey, these people see a lot of different community trees. Um, so it, it was a good fit. So I would love to just open that up to more people for them to see how meaningful it really can be. And especially with utilities um, going through a great um, you know, transformation in time to, to be able to enable um, a green future is really exciting. So I think um, all the work that we've done around, you know, the, the workers 
training and, uh, you know, pre-apprenticeship program and all of that, being able to tap into local resources, um, you know, for funding and support and all of the things we have planned along that way to enhance our career path. Um, that would be my number one. I think we still have a little ways to go. We still have to get the word out there, um, you know, do some outreach and marketing, but we're getting there where we've, we've, we've come, you know, a long way already. And I think we still have more to go, but that would be my, my biggest goal is to be able to come out of this with a, a bigger, more diverse workforce that's really making a difference that loves coming to work every day. I mentioned that you were uh, instrumental in starting the women in utility veg management uh, workshop. Uh, anything you'd say to young women that might not normally think of UVM as their career path? Yeah. I mean, I would say it's a great, great career. Um, you know, don't, don't feel like you're limited in any way. I know personally, sometimes I set uh, like perceived limitations for myself because I doubt myself um, or I doubt my abilities to do something. And I don't know if that's a women trait or if just a trait in general, but you know, I, I would say that anyone out there don't, don't limit yourself uh, because you don't think you can do something. So be confident in the skills that you have and be confident in your ability to learn something. You may not know it yet. That doesn't mean that there isn't a path for you to know it and for there to be tons of support and help. So I tended to have put up some, uh, you know, preconceived barriers for myself um, that I had to break through, which I, I did. Um, but it was more about my own self-confidence than the lack of, um, you know, the industry opening its arms and being welcoming. It was, it was more on my own self. So um, I just, I think it's a fantastic place for women. Um, diversity in so many ways is really necessary for the best possible future. The more diversity we can bring and celebrate the way people think differently, the better it is. I mean, I think about all the people that I've learned from. Um, you know, just changing your perception from on the right of way, looking at what you don't want there to what you do want to look like. That that was a an aha moment for me. And that came, you know, from other people within the industry that looking at things differently, which is much needed. And I think women and all kinds of diversity really bring bring that to the table. So we wanted to celebrate that by, you know, creating that women in UVM uh, workshop and just really celebrate the ways that how women can, can add to the industry and also figure out how we can be supportive to make it a great workplace for, for women to want to stay and, and have a career. You know, we've seen like an uptick in diversity in, in the sector from age demographic to different cultures to certainly genders. Um, and I think that's great. Um, you know, I also think there's a more formalized recognition of the fact that you know, UVM, you know, vegetation management is, is a career. It's a path. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's not actually a job. It's actually a career, you know, and I think the, you know, as institutions formalize education and, you know, industry groups are getting the word out, universities are plugging in. I think it, it's going to take off more. And I think sustainability will be a big draw as a part of that. It's so much a part of the, the broad discussion today. Um, yeah, I'd love to get your take on something that I, I continue to see as a challenge, and, and that's the discussion around uh, customer care, uh, a customer's understanding, you know, in the utility footprint, you know, homeowners, businesses, um, you know, vegetation, their perception of vegetation and the relationship they have with the utility. 
one, how do you see that relationship or maybe on behalf of Unitil, but also how do you think that the gap can be closed um, so that there's a, there's a more unified approach uh, by community to, to solve for, you know, vegetation and, and sustainability? Absolutely. That's a really important point. You know, at Unitil, we've taken a lot of time to work with our communities um, and to provide input and guidance, uh, not only from a utility perspective, but from a community spec- perspective. Um, what we found is that connecting communities to each other, you know, we serve many cities and towns in our service territory, and some of them have much more advanced, you know, tree ordinances and, and tree protection and care standards. By connecting those communities together, um, they can then look at their own tree care. And, and if a town is proactively managing their trees and their resources, it's helpful for the utility because when we come in, they've already taken time to assess their trees and, you know, manage them. So we're not just having to remove risky trees all the time. Um, you know, we're, we're really coming in and, and being a partner in care. And then, you know, things like planting the right tree in the right place, they won't be planting large growing trees back under the utility lines. Um, it is really helpful. So I think a lot of partnership with communities um, is really helpful from a community sense. Um, there still is an, another gap, which is working with individual uh, homeowners, landowners. Um, you know, they don't always get as connected with their communities. So we serve as maybe their first point of education about tree care and maintenance. So we have a robust library um, of tools for our customers. Um, and I think that's helpful. You know, we've created a number of short videos that we can show. We have a storm resiliency program, which is, you know, removing uh, risk related to critical areas on the system. So a lot of people don't even know how power works and that their tree take out, uh, you know, power to a lot of customers uh, in their neighborhood. So just explaining all these things, we are often the first people that are out there. So having a really good, knowledgeable field uh, base with tools that they can um, share with the customers is is really helpful. Um, The other thing we're moving towards, which we're still working towards, is really that customer um, self-serve type thing where if customers are looking for something, we have uh, information available for them where they can, at their own convenience, find answers on the internet, uh, on our websites. They can put in a ticket. Uh, We have great pictures and resources to help them to figure out exactly what the problem is so that when we get a customer request back, we have a photo of it or we were able to guide them with pictures to figure out where the problem is so that we have an understanding of what types of crew to send out and things like that, um, which cuts on out on that frustrating piece of where we send a, tr- a crew. and We're like, well, we can't do it with this. We're, we're going to have to be back three hours later with another crew. And um, so using technology to be able to communicate and, um, you know, that's a, a blessing and a curse. I mean, it, technology can be your best friend, but it also has, you know, some challenges. We're working through that a little bit. I would love to be able to tell customers like when we're going to be at their house with more more accuracy and say a crew is on the way, those kinds of things so people can and be ready. We still have areas of opportunity, you know, across the industry, you know, and things like that. But I think we're we're getting there. Our communication has improved greatly and I think utilities in general really value the the relationship with their customers and are working on making sure that 
they get the feedback from their customers about what they need to do better, how they can improve, and and are acting on that. So it's very helpful. I'm just so convinced the areas of your passion are the things we're going to see become more and more important every day in our industry. So I do appreciate the leadership that you provide for a whole industry. Thank you. Yeah, I think, you know, the UA has done a great job of trying to figure out what good looks like and then utilities can strive for that. And so that's that's really helpful. And I love love being a part of that, thinking about the value that utilities can bring to communities and, uh, you know, really being able to share that um, is, is, is fulfilling for me. Well, Sarah, you know, we really appreciate you taking the time. You know, we wish you nothing but success and uh, hopefully we can continue this dialogue uh, offline, online um, and continue to monitor all the great things that you're doing. Thank you for having me. Really been a pleasure. I will tell you that my aha moment's almost identical to yours. Stan said, quit thinking just about what you have to kill. Think about what you can create in the process. I love that. Absolutely. Love that. It's difference of thinking that uh, really can can make a difference. So No question. No question. Agree. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Very good. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you both. That's it for this episode of Trees and Lines, a podcast sponsored by Iapetus Holdings, LLC. If you like what you heard today, please give us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. And if you have any questions or maybe some ideas on who you would like to see or topics covered on this podcast series, please reach out to us through the Trees and Lines at iapetusllc.com. Thank you.